is one of the most difficult jobs that you'll ever have. And when your kids are quite small, right, things happen and challenges occur. And sometimes you wonder, how are you going to get through this, right? Now imagine that you're living in a foreign country. And there's a lot of perks, right? The wonderful people, the new culture that you're learning, the food and uh, experiences that you get to have there. But imagine having a few kids pretty young, also both getting very sick at the same time. And there you are without any support and wondering how you're going to make it through. That was the kind of situation that today's guest found herself in. But she learned that there was much more in her reservoir, that she could dig even deeper, which is a wonderful theme that we explore through today's podcast on how we can dig just a bit deeper. And when we think we can't, how to actually make that happen. And that's important because we're in a tough spot in the history of education. And if we could figure this out, maybe we'll come out the other side just a bit stronger and better. Hey, it's Daniel, and welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers, those out-of-the-box leaders making change happen in education. And we'll be right back after a few short messages from today's show sponsors. Establish your legacy with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Learn from Harvard Business and Education School faculty as you develop the frameworks, skills, and knowledge you need to drive change improvement in your learning community. Apply now for our June 22 cohort at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. Are you automatically tracking online student participation data during covid Innovative school leaders across the country have started tracking online student participation using TeachFX because it's one of the most powerful ways to improve student outcomes during COVID, especially for English learners and students of color. Learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. Well, Ruckus Maker, we are in for a treat today because uh, I am joined by uh, or with Julie Stern. And I'm going to get to her bio in a second, but Julie's just amazing. A, you know, bestseller multiple times. And she really helped me think through what it looked like to powerfully launch a book. So when Mastermind Unlocking Talent Within Every School Leader came out, Julie was my go-to person in terms of like <laughs> how to make that successful. And she taught me a lot and I'm very grateful for that. So I just wanted to start off today's show with gratitude, Julie. And it's uh, also a, a pleasure for sure to, to host you on the show. So I know her, but you don't potentially. So Julie Stern is a global consultant and author. She has nearly two decades of experience facilitating adult learning and feels lucky to partner with educators to take their practice to the next level. She is a four-time best-selling author of Learning Net Transfers, Visible Learning for Social Studies, The On Your Feet Guide to Learning Transfer, 
and tools for teaching conceptual understanding elementary and secondary. So Julie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Danny. I also want to express gratitude for you. I love everything about you. I love your aura, your energy, uh, your passion, and it's a, it's a true pleasure for me to be here. Uh, too kind, too kind. Cool. Well, bring us to Columbia. I want you to bring oh. us to Columbia. Mm-hmm. And you have a story about parenting, which is important because I think you learned a lot about this idea of digging deep. And so I'll, I'll stop there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this, I think, will resonate with many of your listeners uh, of where we are in the pandemic. So this, or what did we learn from the pandemic? And this is a story from way pre-pandemic, 2016. I had two babies. I had a 21-month-old and my, my second was born. And, uh, you know, (laughs) one night, um, my newborn two months old, you know, was having trouble breathing. So I said to my husband, we're going to the hospital. And so we get in a taxi, we go to the hospital and, uh, he had RSV, which I'm sure maybe many people know because it's very common among young babies. Uh, but Bogota is, um, 8,000 feet in, in the mountains at altitude. And so, you know, any respiratory issues are hard because it's high altitude. So anyway, my guy was in the hospital with me, of course, for 10 days. We come home and he's got oxygen still in his nose uh, with an oxygen tank. We come home and my 21 month olds that night, his fever spiked to 103. Um, and I was just, you know, it was one of those moments where it, I just was like, what is what is the universe telling me? <laughs> what is happening? Um, and I remember I would go from one baby to another baby who had different illnesses. And I, I think I remember sanitizing my hair, like because I'm holding the babies, right? Yeah. And I don't want them to get each other's illnesses. Um, and I think at one point I put hand sanitizer in my hair. So, I mean, hopefully none of your listeners have, have done that. But I think the thing is, is that parenting to me, analogous to school leadership and teaching, especially in the last few years, is like when you feel like you've dug as deep as you can into the reserves of your being, and you think there's nothing left, life is like, no, you're going to dig deeper. You're going to do it. <laughs> and, and you learn that you can, and you learn that your reserves are deeper than you even thought. Um, and so that's, that's what I learned in that moment. And I think it's really analogous to the last few years. Uh, we, how many of us have thought I can't, I got nothing left. And Mm -hmm. many of us have broken, you know, and many teachers are leaving the profession. Many leaders are leaving the profession, which breaks my heart. But of course, you know, my passion is the intersection of how do we get better while not, while maintaining our well-being, our own Mm -hmm. personal well-being. Um, And so my life's work is how do we update teaching and learning to prepare kids for an ever-changing world while we still are healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the question I think for, for, of the moment is we have to honor educator and leader well-being and student well-being. It's epidemic, um, mental illness and, and we know we can't keep teaching the same way that we were taught. So yeah. there's the rub. There's the rub. Right. Yeah. We got to get better, which is going to require hard work, right. Mm-hmm. In uh, blood, sweat and tears and digging deep. And we also want to honor our, our well-being so that we don't break, mm-hmm. completely break while doing this difficult work. So mm-hmm. uh, I really like that idea. And so w- what have you seen as solutions or what's working with holding that tension? Because those are, those are yeah, mm-hmm. not necessarily opposites, but they're pulling in different directions, maybe. 
Definitely, definitely. And I think on one hand, you can say, okay, just giving students a bunch of worksheets feels easier. But then what's going to happen is you're going to get all these behavioral and, and, and management issues pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while, while on the back end, you know, giving teachers, giving students a bunch of worksheets might be, might feel easier than planning really rich instruction. Um, you're going to have to deal with all these issues. And we, we see that time and time again. So to me, I don't see improving our craft as different from teacher well-being. And I'm trying mm. to help them to see that what's at the intersection is the reason we were called to be teachers in the first place. So when students have those aha moments, when they make connections we didn't even see, that's when we go, oh my God, that's why I chose this crazy profession. <laughs> that's that's it. And so, you know, one of our sort of phrases is like reconnect to your purpose. Uh, why did you become an educator? And we're going to help you recreate those moments where students do incredible things. So one of my favorite stories that I just love to share, I, just, I, I watched this video of a student from a school that I've worked with for five years. So all this is to be it put in context that this doesn't happen magically. But the head of the the secondary school and I shared an office in Bogota. So this is a school that's a long time um, kind of seeped into the ideas of conceptual learning and transfer. But they sent me a video of of a young lady who read A Streetcar Named Desire in her English literature class. And the teacher simply said, now, this is a long history of building to this moment. But he said to the students, I want you to find a discipline that's similar to literature. And I want you to connect to Streetcar Named Desire. And I want you to find a discipline that is dissimilar to literature. And I want you to connect it to Streetcar Named Desire. So this young lady in like two minutes, I'm like, this is the two minute video that's going to change your life. You watch her do this. She says, okay, um, here's what I'm doing. She kind of explains the task. And she says, so I looked at psychology because that's somewhat similar to literature. And I found, I came across, this is like a 16, 17 year old girl, right? She says, I came across care. Kierkegaard and existentialism. I mean, I don't even know anything about Kierkegaard and existentialism. And she says, you know, it talks about how you can alienate yourself if you don't kind of look inward and and be honest about your true self. And the character Blanche in A Streetcar Named Desire, she does that. She is alienated from her true self by putting on this facade when she's in New Orleans. Um, And then she says, then I looked at disciplines that were very different from literature. So I went into economics and I came across game theory and how you can make strategic calculations in games like chess and and you can apply that to economics and blanche also does this in a streetcar named desire and she goes on to explain how blanche does this in a streetcar named desire and that's i mean you can't that's why we became teachers right when it when a student does that at whatever level from young children all the way up to to that the high school example but that's what i'm trying to do with teachers is help them recreate those types of moments in the classroom and it's through concepts that she was able to do that the concept of you know being authentic to yourself or strategic calculations she's connecting that across disciplines across wildly different situations that's what my work is all about um and so that's that's i think the answer is helping teachers gently use instructional strategies that reconnect to their purpose and why they entered the profession in the first place yeah you know i think because that's what allows you to dig deep right so Mm -hmm. just to connect some dots and when you have a very clear purpose and why 
real life is still going to happen, stuff will mm. still be hard, which is par for the course. Like we can't expect mm-hmm. that life will always be easy. But when mm-hmm. you get, have that clear sense of purpose, you can you can navigate those stormy waters. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, having a student talking about literature, existentialism, and game theory, you know, sign me up. That's that's, <laughs> that's pretty cool. It's like, yeah, you know, maybe the student right should be teaching the class, and there's probably opportunities mm-hmm. for that, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. So. So, so interesting. So I think that illustrates a bit of what you're about in terms of uh, conceptual learning and this idea of, of transfer. But if people are just getting to know you uh, for the first time, is there another story you'd like to share or, or another way that you could explain, you know, this idea that, that you're known mm-hmm. for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, you know, the, at the core of of every discipline, every hobby, I would even say, Danny, podcasting, you know, mm. anything where anybody develops an area of expertise. And the one example that I love to use is gardening. So we have our own podcast. It's called Conceptually Speaking. You've been on it. <laughs> you yeah, shared yeah, yeah. the ABCs of the mastermind. Yeah. But the idea is we ask experts to boil down their craft or their field or their hobby or whatever is their area of expertise into three to five words. Well, mm. you had already done that with your book, with the ABCs. Most, you know, most experts do this subconsciously. They don't really think about what are the most essential elements. And mm-hmm. so our first guest was my mom. So I use my mom all the time because her topic was gardening. And I okay. said, mom, you know, she's a retired pharmacist. She's much, much, much uh, sort of smarter, I think, than, than the podcast that I asked her to come on as far as her disciplinary expertise. But she her passion is gardening. And uh, I just said, mom, what is gardening all about? And we brainstormed a list. Well, she did. I just wrote it down about 10 words that, you know, is essential for us to understand gardening. And I said, can you pick the top three where if a novice understood those three, it would give them insight into expertise. And she's the only one on our two years of a podcast. uh, She's so baller that came up with two. She's like, I I can boil it down to two. (laughs) She says gardening, gardening is the right plant for the right location. And if you can understand that the plant, depending on everything about it, needs to be put in the right spot, um, then water, sunlight, all of those other things kind of revolve around those two concepts. And I, I love to use that story because I think that we treat everything equally in schools, you know, and we we sort of remain at the topical level. Like we'd, we'd say, OK, children, I'm going to teach you about gardening. Well, first there's oak trees and there's petunias and there's ivy and there's roses. But like what's at the core? And so our first step with teachers is to say if a kid is a kindergartner learning mathematics, What's at the core? It's about quantity. It's about number. It's about pattern. Those that's at the core. So it's not just can they add, but do they understand what mathematics is about? Because those essential sort of elements that I call concepts are what facilitate expertise. They give us insight into an area of expertise. And so that's kind of, you know, what it's all about with, I went to mathematics elementary because I gave the, the Kierkegaard <laughs> streetcar named as our uh, mm-hmm. high school English example. But, um, you know, that's really what it's about is to, to help teachers say, instead of topical or skill-based 
instruction. We're thinking about concepts that lie at the heart of it. And we're teaching addition and subtraction and all of that stuff through this, these sort of core ideas of number and quantity and pattern and value. Um, that's what we want students to really grasp and to be able to transfer their learning to new situations. So that's what my, my work is all about. Whatever teachers, I'll say, what are you teaching right now? And just help them to see the underlying essence, those concepts that are at the core of whatever it is they're teaching, and then design some really rich learning experiences that help students to see that that's the essence. Yeah, that's super, super good. It really made a lot of sense for me, and I love hearing about your mom and her uh, gardening expertise. (laughs) Uh, I don't want to get too deep here, but we both know Mitch Weathers, and so Mm -hmm, you need to let him mm -hmm. know that she was episode one because he's a big gardener, right? Okay, Uh, okay, yes. Yes, he he is, that's right. He would love that episode. But, uh, you know, for me, I've shared this on the podcast before, but I'm going to repeat the story real quick. You know, the first draft or two of the Mastermind book was not so good, right? It was mm, it was, mm. it was not good at all. Um, there was a lot to work with, right? But mm-hmm, Ariel, mm-hmm. The, the editor, was pushing me to, to create something better. And the story I've told is to create a better book. I stopped writing. I maybe even told this story on your podcast. Mm, I, I don't mm, know. Mm, but the mm. point is, I walked away from writing the book because a lot of times people put in more hours and they work even harder thinking that that's going to get a solution. No, maybe you need a break to let your mind wander, be creative. But what I realized is, you know what? Running the mastermind, facilitating these experiences in many ways, is just natural to me. It's like riding mm. a bike. And how do you explain that? Teach someone. I said, oh, mm-hmm. I need a framework. And so just with Alba, my puppy, at Berry Park, just down the street, we would walk in nature for hours. All of a sudden, I started to see this triangle, which became the ABCs. And mm-hmm. I wanted to do something that was remarkable with educators, right? Everybody's going to remember ABC123. And then I was like, can it work? Well, authenticity, yeah, that's there. Belonging, oh, people definitely feel connected. And then there's Mm -hmm. this idea of challenge, like you got to do stuff to get results, right? So it can't just be about feeling good in relationships. You got to be producing results too. And then once I had that, I'm like, that's it. Ariel said, you knocked it out of the park. We organized the book (laughs) around the ABCs. And now to date, that's the thing I've created. I'm the most proud of. Mm -hmm. So all that to say, are you potentially more baller than your mom? Is learning that is is learning that transfers about one thing, which is concepts, or do you have like a three to three to five that you'd like to share with the audience? Uh, yes, so that you, you know, we I wrote the on your feet guide to learning transfer where we Ariel was my editor for that. This is a yeah. common connection. I knew her name would come up sooner or later, um, and she she said you got Julie. It's it's a it's a six page fold out you know laminated thing. You, mm. It's got to be, she's like, you got to be, you got, you need three things, <laughs> it's three steps. <laughs> um, and so, you know, for us, the, the on your feet guide to learning transfer was understand concepts first, then yep. connect those concepts in relationship. And then those connections are what facilitate transfer. And that became in learning that transfers the act model, acquire, connect, transfer. So act, mm. you know, it spells, it's an acronym that spells something. And it's also very intentional in that we 
we want students to take action with their learning. We want them to make the world a better place. So if they acquire understanding of individual concepts, they connect them in relationship. Those connections are what facilitate transfer. And so we want mm. teachers to plan multiple situations where students are transferring their learning, much like the girl did it with, with Streetcar Named Desire, but they could go from Streetcar Named Desire to a, to a poem or right. to a song or to an email, you know, whatever, like from one text to another text. We want teachers to intentionally set up this journey where students are practicing and then they can do the things like that, which is do it on their own. Um, you know, for me, it's the best is when a, a student comes into the classroom saying, you know what? I was watching a movie and I was thinking about what you taught me in class while I was trying to watch a movie or whatever. You know, they're making the connections. They're seeing the concepts all around them. And I think the connect phase is really essential for us to understand how expertise works. So it's not just, you know, what is number and what is quantity? Um, just to kind of stick with my kindergarten math example, what is number? What is quantity? What is value? But how does number, quantity, and value, how do they interact in different situations? And when we show them single digit numbers, double digit numbers, and maybe a huge number, which for a kindergartner is just, you know, could be 450, um, we're asking them, you know, what's the relationship between the number, the quantity, and the value? Um, and, and in that case, you know, the place, the place value. And so they're starting to say, okay, I am seeing some patterns here. I'm seeing how these things interact in different situations. And so that's, that's our, our three words are uh, acquire, connect, transfer. Got it. So acquire, connect, transfer. I have authenticity, belonging, challenge. And I review that for the ruckus maker listening, because what would your three to five concepts at your school be? You know, I think we try to be all things to all people. And then that creates a very average experience. And so you got to have the courage to pick some edges and say, we're going to be known for this and do it the best uh, in, in, in the world and just go all in on that. So um, thank you for masterfully sharing, you know, these wonderful stories, Julie. We're going to take a quick pause here to get some messages in from our sponsors when we come back, uh, I'm excited to talk about a time audit for teachers, which is a really wonderful resource you've created to give away. Learn the frameworks, skills, and knowledge you need to drive change improvement in your learning community with Harvard's online certificate in school management and leadership, a joint collaboration between the Harvard Graduate School of Education and Harvard Business School. Connect and collaborate with fellow school leaders as you address your problems of practice in our online professional development program. Apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. That's betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. During COVID, every teacher is a new teacher. That's why innovative school leaders are turning to TeachFX, whose virtual PD is equipping thousands of teachers with the skills they need to create engaging, equitable, and rigorous virtual or blended classes. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. Today's show is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder develops the skills and habits all students need for success. 
During these uncertain times of distance learning and hybrid education settings, Organized Binder equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning routines so that all students have an opportunity to succeed, whether at home or in the classroom. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. All right, and we're back with my friend Julie Stern, uh, best-selling author, brilliant mind behind Learning That Transfers. And I mentioned before the break that you have this very cool tool that's a time audit for teachers. And there are some teachers that listen to the show, but I want the ruckus maker listening who's a principal, an assistant principal, hear what Julie's talking about. Uh, We'll have the link in show notes. We'll talk about how to get it, but you should for sure uh, get this to your staff too. So tell us about this time audit for teachers. Yeah, so it's something that I've just been thinking a lot of and a lot about in my own time. And like you, I, I love to use different tools to help me focus, to help me prioritize. And I think that, that that's a game changer in my own life, especially as the mom of, of two little kids. And, and we move, we also move internationally like every 16 months. So life is very interesting. Yeah. Um, and so I have to, it's it's survival for me it, it, to really be uh, conscious about where I'm spending my time, how I'm scheduling, things like that. And so I think for us, it's so easy. And this is a silver lining of of the pandemic is it made us pause. It made us stop our busyness. I'm afraid we've all just put back into our business since 2020, but at least in, you know, for most of us, March, April, 2020, we, we paused. It was, it was a nice moment in time um, and really make us think, how do I want to spend my life? And that's what's causing, I think, a lot of, of resignation across the board, not just in education of people saying, you know what, I don't want to do this job anymore. Uh, this is not what I want out of my life. And so I think it's really important for us to get clear about how we're spending our time. And when leaders ask teachers to do something new, like learning that transfers or conceptual learning, anything that I would do, what I do for a living is professional development. Yeah. And I, I realized, you know, this is such an obstacle becomes the way moment where my the obstacle for me doing my job for professional development is teachers overloaded schedule. And I said to myself, okay, if they don't have time to get better, yet I know this is an investment that is going to help them reconnect to their purpose. How, what, what's the solution? And uh, so I, we, I created this among many things like uh, teacher wellbeing courses. I started this tradition of online courses. So we'll link this in the, sh- in the show notes as well. Um, two free courses. One is called Goodbye to Overwhelm. Um, and another one is called the Seven Day Reset. We just kind of started this as a tradition at the start of the new year in January of 2021 and January of 2022. Um, but I also created a time audit for teachers that principals or leaders can give to teachers that simply says, you know, it's a, it's a series of questions, a Google form, but it's just getting some clarity around where are they spending their time and then finding ways that we can create time for teachers to learn and get better um, because it's there. You know, I think there's this uh, assumption that there's not enough time, but it it's there. And, you know, one of the examples that I want to share with you from my own kids' school, it's the PE teacher in the bus line. Oh, uh, you no. know, I, when, when I drive to uh, to school, my kids love PE. It's their favorite subject. I wish it was there every day. These two teachers are phenomenal humans. And my kids come home just so excited about, about PE. 
But, the, you know, they're standing there making sure that no cars come into the front of the school, into the driveway, right. because that, that in the morning, that's the bus. And I'm just thinking, OK, <laughs> I even some days I'm like, I think I want to go stand there. I think I want to just be like, I'll stand here so you can go. And there's tons of parent volunteers and things like that. But, you know, that's the type of thing that if a, t- a leader gave a survey, it would give them these things where it's just so much insight into what is taking up teachers time. What is a recurring task like standing in the front to make sure that the no cars come into the uh, to the driveway. Um, but those are the types of things that I think we can find solutions for teachers. We can find parent volunteers. We can, we can find different ways we can find, you know, maybe a sixth grader who can do it because it's an elementary school that goes up through sixth grade. We can find creative solutions in, in that quick example where teachers would have the time to get better um, and to spend quality time improving their craft. So that's, that's what the time audit for teachers is all about. Gotcha. And so, yeah, that, that, PE teacher in the bus lane story, I think is uh, identifying here's a teacher who could be planning these awesome lessons and units, right? For your, your kids that love the class and yet they're stuck doing traffic, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. is that the best mm-hmm. use of their time in that moment? Is that mm-hmm. what I'm hearing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Great. So we will, we'll link that up. The time audit. Uh, I heard goodbye to overwhelm. Did I get seven day reset? Was that the third That's one? That's correct. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. We'll have all that stuff uh, there for the ruckus maker listening to, to uh, um, enjoy and also to pass on. We want to pay it forward. The other thing I'll, I'll just say from experience, you know, when I've done, first of all, I redo my ideal week at least twice a year, sometimes more. Um, there's different seasons, different priorities. So you have to revisit if you're moving every 16 months or whatever. Like you said, you know, you have to adjust those things. But I'll tell you, one of the most powerful things I ever did was track my time using a free app called Toggle, mm-hmm. T-O-G-G-L. And I would literally start it when I began a task or project and then stop it. And for two weeks, maybe a month, it collected all that data. And then I had a sense of really how I was spending my time. Because before, when I tried to forecast and predict how long will, let's say, creating this slide deck for this presentation I'm doing with Corwin take, I would think out oh, 45 minutes and it actually might take three hours is what I learned. And so you know, I might need to get more efficient with my time and stuff, but I also need to get better at estimating. So, so do that. I highly recommend everyone listening do that. And the other thing, because when you say you don't have enough time, that's, that's baloney is a nice mm. way of saying it. And if you take out your phone and go to settings and look at, um, it tells you how much screen time (laughs) you've Mm -hmm. been Mm -hmm. doing on your phone. Mm -hmm. It'll show Mm -hmm. how much time on Facebook and on Twitter Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. If you Mm -hmm. took even just 50% of that time and put it towards something meaningful, you'd be Mm -hmm. getting a lot more done. So that's all I'm going to say you know, in regards to time. Well, Danny, that's what the, the Goodbye to Overwhelm course is all about. So it's two ah. short videos. It's uh, it's with my coach. My my, I have a cognitive coach. Yeah. Um, it's it's also one of the only ways that I survive. Um, and and sh- and she she just came on just as a gift to educators. Um, and we recorded these two short videos. So the first wow. one is uh, is is about thought work and yeah. the stories that we tell ourselves. So I was, and I'll sh- I share it in that course. I was telling myself, there's never enough time. Mm. And she said to me, Julie, is that serving you? (laughs) Just playing that thought 
on yeah. repeat again and again. And I was like, you don't understand. I have two kids. I've written four books. I move internationally every 16 months. There is never enough time. You know, like it's so easy to be like, no, you don't get it. Right. <laughs> Let me tell you about my situation. And, you know, I love that question. Is it serving you? Is the story played on repeat serving you? So that's kind of video number one and lesson number one. There's some attachments with it. And then lesson number two is a time audit and, and, and scheduling because yeah. first, step is getting really clear. How are you spending your time? And then I just read a recent article. I knew this was true, but I just read again from um, Harvard Business Review. I think it's some crazy figure. I'm just, I'm just ballparking here or, or just maybe even misremembering. But the moral of the story is somewhere around 30 times more likely to do something if you write it down when you're going to do it. Like I will fold clothes at 5 PM or whatever, you know? And so I'm, it's like minutia, Danny, like what I write down. Um, and then she, she, Kristen talks about it. It's being, it's integrity, uh, to yourself. If you say you're going to work out at 7 PM and guess what, guess what? But you are not going to feel like it. 100% not going to feel like working out at 7 yeah. p.m. Um, I love some of these uh, some of these crazy guys that I listen to about working out are like, I never want to work out. Are you kidding me? I, I Some guy said this line, like, I'm the laziest disciplined person, you know. <laughs> I'm so lazy. I never want to work out. Um, but I have discipline. And I say at 7 o'clock, I'm going to work out. And so I'm going to work out. And I love that. I love, you know, all of those things. So that's kind of the seven day reset takes it to the next level mm. where we talk more about, you know, each kind of compartment of your life. And one thing that you talked about was taking a break from your book and taking that walk in the park. Yeah. Um, and so where my brain went is to the, the importance of rest. And mm-hmm. one of the things that we love to do with students is have them reconsider concepts in light of new situations, in light of further pondering, kind of clarifying what we thought was true about concepts. And so, or even just pondering, like, what does variable mean before algebra? And then what does variable mean when we get to algebra? Like there Mm. is some interesting things that happen with that word, with that concept, and actually intentionally asking students to ponder what that word means from one situation to another situation. Um, And so what you said reminded me of the concept of rest, Um, that rest doesn't mean sleep. Rest is a much more complex word. It's a much more complex idea. And so uh, we have a whole sort of day. Our seven day reset is like 10 minutes a day for seven days. Um, But one whole day is about the concept of rest and unpacking it and understanding that you gave yourself a mental rest from your book. You went out into nature and you walked around, you moved your body, you were immersed in nature, you had your dog, which has relationships there and that connection um, to another living thing. And there's where you got your idea. That's that's how we, it works. That's not, that was not an accident. And so I love that idea for us to rethink what it means to rest and to rethink what it means to be creative. And sometimes, oftentimes you pause the thing you're focusing hard on and you go do something else and then your brain is relaxed and can then come up with amazing stuff. So, you know, that's also what our, our seven day reset it's all about. Very cool. And now before the last two questions, just at a, a metacognitive level, you know, you're clearly passionate about this idea of concepts. Mm-hmm. And so just to connect the dot for um, 
the ruckus maker listening, if you go all in and have the courage to identify these three to five things uh, that your school's all about, you'll start seeing it everywhere. And then, then you'll be able to tell stories and it'll just, it'll build excitement and momentum for your staff. And that'll be contagious, a very good thing. And so that's, that's another reason to do it. Okay. So Julie, if you could put a message on all school marquees around the world for just one day, what would your message read? It's got to be a phrase I've already used uh, in this podcast. And it's a phrase that is was coined by Ryan Holiday, who uh, got it from Marcus Aurelius, the emperor. Um, and I heard about this from Ariel, our common editor on Instagram. She shared this one day, <laughs> but um, Ryan Holiday wrote a book called The Obstacle is the Way. And yeah. I learned recently that he has a tattooed on his arm. I was like, that's a bit extreme. I might put it on my mirror or like on his post-it note on my laptop. Um, but he has a tattooed on his arm because when you adopt that idea, the obstacle is the way. So for me, the phrase from Marcus Aurelius do we have time for this story? Yeah, let's keep going. <laughs> okay. It's great. Yeah. The phrase from Marcus Aurelius was an aha moment for me when I was writing Learning That Transfers. Because the phrase from Marcus Aurelius is, the impediment to action advances action. Mm. What stands in the way becomes the way. Yes. And I just said, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. If we're talking about concepts and their connections, how yeah. does, you know, volume impact quantity, impact pattern, impact value? If we're asking students to reconsider concepts. And so we, we were developed this little, uh, you know, a couple different scaffolds. All of this is available for free on our website. Um, these different scaffolds where we say to kids, like, what's the relationship between these concepts? How can you connect them? We've got some verbs, you know, do they block each other? Do they interdepend on each other? Do they advance each other? Do they, you know, just how do they interact? Um, and such good, rich conversation comes out of that. And so when you think about the obstacle is in your way and then the obstacle becomes your way, that's a mind like deliciousness for me. I love, you know, just pondering things um, and, and just saying what you thought to be true is not true. And so that is, that is revolution. My revolutionized my life is the obstacle is the way anytime something doesn't go my way. I ask myself, what's the value here? Mm. Is it to teach me something? Is it to make me reconsider something I wasn't reconsidering? And I mean, now it's like, uh, it's so natural. Like what you said about once you start thinking about something, you see it everywhere. It's, it's comical because daily I'm like, Oh, I just say to myself, the obstacle is the way (laughs) because whatever's not going well right now, there's a reason and I can learn something from it. It's an opportunity to practice virtue. And I think if we all learned that, um, you use the phrase, don't fight the universe. I love that phrase I heard once on your podcast. Um, And so that's another one that I've adopted. That's really essentially the same thing, which is, uh, you know, what can you, what can you take from whatever's coming your way and help to make it, to make life better and make you better, um, I think is, is awesome. It is powerful reframes, just like the time is an excuse, you know, and when, when you take ownership of these things and there's, there's less places to hide and to point fingers other than at yourself, uh, that's, that's when some real big stuff is about to happen in your life. Mm-hmm. So I really, I'm happy that you told that story. Thank you. Thank you. So Julie, if you're building a school from the ground up, you're not limited by any resources. Your only limitation is your imagination. How would you build your dream school? What would be the three guiding principles? Ah. Uh. 
three guiding principles. I mean, I would, I'm going to be like my mom. I'm going to, cause you, we both use the word baller. One thing, Danny, one thing. <laughs> Do are, it. You, are you yeah. ready? Slam dunk. One thing. Teachers are going to have 80% of their time is going to be dedicated to planning and 20% to teaching. That's my dream school. That school will knock it out of the park every single time. 80, That's 20. what I got for you. Love it. 80, 20. <laughs> well, Julie, we, we talked about a lot on today's show and covered a lot of ground. Of all the things we discussed, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? Uh, great question. I think that teacher well-being and improving their craft don't have to be opposing forces, that they can be uh, the same in the same path working working together. So that's the one thing I would want to leave listeners with. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed.